is working the beat. It is Tuesday, May 19th, 2020. One of the most historic days in Philadelphia sports history. Not 2020, but the May 19th part. Uh, we are at the 46th anniversary of the Flyers win their first Stanley Cup today. I'm Kevin Cooney, along with Mike Kern. Michael, how are you? Yeah, it's been 45 since they won a third. Second. No, they won the second the next year, and we haven't won one since. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 45, so they're still going for a third. So, but whatever. Yeah, uh, I, that, what a day. That that was a pretty big day. It was. Uh, I mean, to people nowadays, it's a foreign if, – if you're like, you know, 40 or under or whatever, I mean, you know, it's, no, it's not your fault. Yeah, and the funny thing is I don't remember the 67 Sixers championship. I would have been nine years old. I wasn't really into basketball yet. I was just kind of I was more Phillies and Eagles. Um, so that to me was like the first thing I remember. I didn't remember sixty, obviously, and it was just it was different. It was, um, and that's why I think the wall. Look, eighty Phillies was big because the Phillies had never won it, right? And the the, the Eagles winning it was huge because it's the Eagles and it's football, and they'd never won it. But that seventy. Four flyers was pretty cool. Pretty cool. And that really, you know, I actually heard this when I was out in the car uh, today, uh, getting lunch. Um, that's the start of Philadelphia's modern sports era at that point. I mean, 67 is before television's big grip. You know, that's the first title I think that everybody around here remembers. Well, all the teams stunk. Yeah. You know, at that point in time, the Phillies stunk, the Eagles stunk, and the Sixers had stunk. And then every team and, after that got better progressively. And then everybody got better until 1980. They all made the final. So it was like a decade of kind of like almost a decade maybe of a golden age in Philadelphia sports. I mean, I don't know if we'll ever have a decade. We didn't win a whole lot of championships, but they there was a lot of good teams. Right. Um, And it's funny. They were playing the, uh, the bad boys 30 for 30. A lot on ESPN recently, right? And it's the Flyers. It is the the, the bad boys. Nobody in right, the NBA right down to the two titles. <laughs> exactly, and, and 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 the Sixers almost. I mean, the Flyers almost won a third. Mm-hmm. Montreal was the better team in '76. They were injured, and and Detroit almost won one the year before in '88. I guess '87 or no, no '88. 88. 88. Right, and they lost in seven to the Lakers. Um, but everybody in the NHL hated the Flyers because they we loved them. We thought they were great. Everybody in the NBA hated Detroit except Detroit. They and um, it said that that's one of the, the reasons the one of the great Flyer days in my life was when they beat the Russians in '76 because they were upholding the prestige of the whole continent and the whole NHL. At that point, it was the only day that everybody else rooted for the Flyers like we did. Uh, coming up on today's show, we have Deuces Rogers, the uh, sports director at uh, Action News at 6ABC. Talk a lot of different things, how they're filling time, how uh, uh, we pre-taped the interview, Mike and I, uh, how they're filling time, how you know, some of this is going to change the sports landscape, the journalism landscape, and a fascinating story about who Jim Gardner went to meet the one time when they were at a ballpark, which I was surprised. Mike, it saved the suspense, but I was surprised to hear that answer, weren't you? Well, every time I hear that name, I'm surprised. Yes, exactly. And, and I and I like that name. I so do if, too. 
know, it's just. I was surprised. Yeah, hey, what Uh, can I tell you? All right, I asked this uh, of Deuces, so I'll ask this of you here at the beginning. Are we closer to the beginning or the end of this sports layoff, you think? You mean so? So what you're saying is we're 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 nine weeks into this. Yeah, you're asking me: Are we not in another nine weeks? Will we be playing sports? Yes. I, I well, we're already playing sports. I mean, I mean the four big the not, four big team sports. Yeah, I mean, I gotta believe that nine weeks, Kevin, because the president's pushing it so hard. You know, people are starting not to listen to the scientists now. It's the American way. You know, we're frustrated, we've been, but we're not going to go back slow because that's not how we do things. Um, so we're going to go back fast, probably faster than we should. Maybe it'll be okay. I, I mean, I don't foresee in nine weeks we're going to have people in stadiums. No. Um, no, but but could, could, could baseball be playing in nine weeks? Yeah. Nine weeks from now would take us to what? Um, June, July. Beginning of the, August. Yeah, I mean, you could almost see NFL, NFL training, training camp. camps, right? Yeah. Um, which means exhibition games, if they're indeed played, would be on the horizon. Well, you I have, mean, by then, well, you have NBA. Well, we have NBA and NHL playoffs by then. I got to believe that those two sports will find a way to do it. That's just me. I, I think there's too much money on the table. Mm-hmm. I think unless. The only way they don't play is if the players really resist. That, that to me, is the only way. Like in baseball, as you've pointed out, there, that could be a problem. I think overall money will win out. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you think of the 67 pages of this is how we're going to do this, that would lend me to believe that the NHL or the NBA has to have just as much going into their coming back. I'm maybe, sure the NFL maybe a little, will. Maybe a little more because there's more physical contact. Uh, but yeah, I mean, after, everybody, every, no, yeah, okay. go ahead. no, I was going to say, go ahead, finish up your point. Well, everybody discounts that like, you know, it's like, well, I think the NH, the NFL has come out now and said like, well, you know, if one guy gets sick or baseball, maybe, maybe it's baseball. We're just going to take that guy out. Well, how do you do that? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, and okay. If you get away with that, let's, let's so we take Rudy Gobert off the court. Okay. What happens a week later if two more guys test positive? You just keep taking one guy here, one guy there. One. I mean, you know, if if you're – and obviously they're going to be doing lots of testing. They're, they're going to be doing their best to make sure these guys are safe. Um, but I, I – and they're going to do it, Kevin. They're going to do it because America wants it to be done, and maybe it's the right thing. I'm not saying it's the wrong thing, but, man, if it, if it causes more problems than it solves, ultimately, and I don't know if that's going to be the case or not. Right. And we won't know that answer really for a while even after they start because we don't know what the fall is going to bring. And eventually, if you bring sports back, at some point the fans are going to want to be in the stands. It just goes without saying, and – and the money, too, of having fans in the stands. So do you start out by saying 10,000 people can go to the Citizens Bank Park? And which 10,000? Yeah. You know, and, and how many vendors you're going to have and how many parking lot attendants you're going to have. And uh, as long as this virus is with us, it, it just seems like it's hard to do that if we're going to follow what everybody said is the only thing 
that for sure most people will agree upon, regardless of your political views, any view, is that social distancing seems to make a difference. I mean, the president said if we hadn't shut the country down, there would have been a lot more people dead. So, But now we want to abandon that or at least abandon it to the degree that we've done it, and that's fine. But you know Americans, and all you had to do was see the scenes from the boardwalk last week. That you can't, you know, people are going to go without masks. They're going to not social distance. It's just right. that that's human nature, and um, it's going to be interesting to see how this this all comes about. It really is. When we come back, we'll talk to Deuces Rogers. Uh, some of the stories of his time here in Philadelphia and Eagles Super Bowl. Uh, working next to Jim Gardner and. What it's been like working from home. That's next as Work of the Beat continues here right after these messages. We're going to reach the sports fans of Philadelphia in a brand new way. This is Kevin Cooney. Each week, the Work of the Beat podcast with Mike Kern and I brings the hottest topics into this sports crazed town with the people and the events that shape the landscape. Now, your business could connect with those people by advertising on the Work of the Beat podcast. Join us at 267-546-7277 or email us at workingthebeat at gmail.com to find out how you can reach out to this growing audience. It's the best sports talk in Philadelphia, and you can be a part of it. That's 267-546-7277 or workingthebeat at gmail.com to join the Working the Beat podcast family. And joining us now, the sports director at WPVI TV channel six. Uh, you see him every night on action news with uh, Jim Gardner and Cecily Tynan. And actually at 10 o'clock with, uh, I guess it's Rick Williams uh, and uh, Charlene Alicott, right now. Uh, Sh- Shari Williams. Or Shari yeah, Williams. Williams. Charlene, Charlene went to New York. Never mind. What am I talking about? It's deuces Rogers deuces. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks guys for having me on. Um, Thanks for joining us. All right. So for, Everyone in the sports department, how much have you guys had to construct home studios on the fly at this point? Uh, all of it is pretty crazy. Uh, you get the call that, all right, no more, no more, no more bodies in the station and uh, do it from home. And so I went to my basement. Um, thankfully, we just got done refinishing our basement. And my wife threw up, um, found, took a couple of my kids' uh, jerseys. I uh, had a Ben Simmons jersey and a and, – uh, Joel Embiid jersey. Funny story about the jerseys, by the way. My kids last year, they wanted to get a Jimmy Butler jersey and a J.J. Redick jersey. And I'm like, not a chance. Good, good timing. Good timing. Yeah, those, guys, those guys are going to be gone. So we threw, threw together the set, started uh, Skyping from home. Didn't work out so well. Um, went back to the station for a couple uh, couple days. They sent me some equipment to put in my house. Uh, so I became my own IT guy. And been pretty much been at home ever since. All right, uh, what's with the Scrabble board? What's with the Scrabble uh, board? So we're so I have the Scrabble board behind me, and uh, when my wife, so this is where I'm set up is in our basement, like a little bar area we have, and it was just empty. And we we're, we're big Scrabble uh, fans. I no joke, I probably have like five or six different Scrabble boards, and we've got this giant one that my wife just bought from um, I think Home Goods or Home Sense to put on a wall. It's a magnetic one. And she's like, oh, fill the space there. All right, cool. Fill the space. And she's like, oh, you got to put up a different message every every day. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. And, it, and and so I started doing it. And then people started, you know, sending me ideas of what to put up. And first it was like, you know, high gym or stuff like that. Then it was some inspirational stuff, some funny stuff. And then every day 
it's almost become work. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I didn't change the board. <laughs> um, so, uh, and right now I've got work in the beat. Yes, I, I, I noticed um, that. That's what actually drew my attention, uh, which is a higher production value than this program has. So, um, hey, deuces. Kevin, uh-huh. let me ask you one. Have they given you any idea, like if we go to yellow, let's say in two weeks or whenever we might go, mm-hmm. does that mean you could go back into the studio or are the plans right now for you guys to sort of keep doing what you're doing until maybe we go totally green or something? It's funny you should mention that. Um, we're in the communications business and none of that stuff has been communicated <laughs> to me at, okay. at all. It's amazing. You know, I hear rumblings. I talk to some of the producers at the station and, uh, I know Adam Joseph recently went back to the station. He was, he's been doing stuff from his, uh, his home in his backyard, but I think he went back only because Cecily was off. And, um, I think they just wanted to make sure that they had actually somebody in place, uh, for the weather in the building. Um, I, I would imagine if this part of the country, uh, you know, Philadelphia area, uh, goes to yellow. I would, I would think we might see uh, a few of the on-air people go back. Um, I, I would believe we'd, we'd do it in waves, and I think I might be in one of the first waves just to get, just to get Jim Sussing Deuces. back together in the studio. No, no. Okay. Um, go ahead. I'm sorry. I um, you had to stall. You stalled there for a second. You said just you would be in part of the first waves to get the anchor team back together. Correct. Yeah, yeah, I think I'd be part of the first wave, so, uh, first wave to come back, and then you know slowly more people, more people will come back. But I, I gotta believe that this is gonna change, not just our industry, but you know a lot of people's businesses where you might see a lot of people working yeah. from home, you know, sure. going forward because like our entire sales department, you know, first of all, the sales department, those guys are they're on the road a lot. I mean, they're right. in cars, they're in, you know at dinners, meetings, they're they're not in the building much anyway. And talking to some of our sales guys, it's, it's kind of been, you know, so now their meetings are via Zoom, you know, or, or Blue Jeans, or whatever format they're using. Um, so I, I have a funny feeling if, if those guys come back, they'll be the last ones to come back. Um, but like the on-air people, I think, uh, especially the studio people, will be the first wave. Our reporters, though, they may not come back to the actual building. So a lot of what we've been doing is they'll just meet at the store or meet in the parking lot. We've been pretty, um, at, PV, at uh, PVI Action News, they've been pretty proactive about not letting letting people in the building. Once this thing hit, I mean, we had all these protocols, um, no more food delivery. Um, uh, only one way in, one way out of the station. Um, you no, know, no more food deliveries. No more. Uh, food. Yeah. No more. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah. Like, um, you can go out and go get it. Um, Oh, but like but, you don't want extra people on campus basically at that point. Right. 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 They, they, they pretty much limit that stuff. You know, no visitors. We stopped the tours and stuff like that. And the masks, we, you know, wearing masks inside the building. Um, just in, just in the studios. Anytime I take the mask off. You said you, a couple of times I was in there during all this. You said you were in there a couple, you've been there in there a couple of times. And that building's usually pretty packed. No matter what. That has to be, that has to be really creepy to walk in and it's virtually empty. It's, it's surreal. It really was surreal. So I went back in the beginning for a couple of times when my internet connection at home wasn't good. And then I went back during the, uh, the NFL draft was on ABC. So they wanted to make a bigger deal of it. And they also didn't want you know, my shot at home to go down and not be able to get on during the draft. Um, yeah, it was, uh, I'd say it was just by my guess, I'd say the building was maybe 60 to 70% less than it, w- it would be on, on a normal day. Um, a lot of producers are working from home. 
Yeah, like the directors are still in, in the control room. Right. A lot of producers are at home. All the, the entire graphics department, you know, um, they were at home. I mean, it's 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 been amazing. I'm 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 fascinated by how we're still able to do television because um, um, there's so many moving parts, and that the fact that they're still able to do it and on the air, it still looks just as good as it would, you know, normally. Uh, I it's you know they need to do a documentary on <laughs> on how all that stuff works. Our IT department has been phenomenal. Like I said, I had a problem. They they FedEx me, you know, some equipment to put in my house and talk me through it and on how to, you know, do it. And I'm like, you know, stringing cables through my walls and, <laughs> and all kinds of stuff. I, I just picture like Gardner, like in home alone, you know, just like, you know, running around the building, you know, trying to keep everybody loose. All right. Um, so do you think we're, and Mike and I were talking about this before we came on. Do you think we're closer to the end of, uh, to the resumption of sports than the suspension of sports at this point? I think so. I, I really do because, you know, you hear these stories every day of the different uh, memos going out to teams about plans to come back. Um, NASCAR just had a successful weekend in Darlington. Um, and the governor, Pennsylvania Governor Wolf just said that if they want to run in Pocono in late June, as long as the, you know, the, you know, so, progress is being made in that area of the country. Uh, they'll be welcome to do so probably without fans. Um, I, I do think, I do think we're getting closer. Um, it's going to look different. Um, it's going to look a lot different. No fans in the stands. And I'm okay with that, uh, to be honest with you, because you know, you look at a typical Eagles game, you know, you got 70,000 people in the link, you know, and they're shoulder to shoulder. Mm-hmm. And not, that's not even count the people out in the parking lot, you know, you know, tailgating and everything. And then, and then we think about just getting people into a stadium, you know, how it just funnels through, you know, gates, 10 different entrances. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, an, it's amazing. I mean, it's like worse than TSA. I mean, it's just, it's, you know, there's no way to keep people apart. So, but I, I, yeah, I do uh, to answer your question. I do think we're closer, like we've kind of gone over the hump. Um, which would be great because I, I mean, <laughs> we all need sports, you know, a for a living, but you know, B for our, our enjoyment. I can only, only watch so much of the uh, rebroadcasts on uh, uh, NBC, NBC uh, Sports Philadelphia so much. All them two thousand, yeah. all them two thousand eighteen games NBC Sports Philadelphia is. But showing Mike, go ahead. Yeah, I, I think Deuce is certain sports translate better whether there's fans or not. You know, I think of golf. You can play golf. Uh, you know, unless it's Augusta, the eighteenth at Augusta, maybe that you mm-hmm. want to see. Uh, you can do NASCAR. You can do mm-hmm. things like that. I just wonder about what basketball or baseball, you know, when they have to put out a 67-page memo to just start the talks <laughs> to how we're going to do this. Yeah. And, that, with and, baseball, that didn't even, and that didn't even touch on the finances either. That's the other part. Yeah, it just – and Kevin is – like Kevin said many times to me, a dugout in, the, in baseball is the dirtiest place you can probably be. Or And I got to think a sideline in football would be much the same. And, you know, yeah. it just seems to me that – while I, I applaud our ambitiousness, there's a part of me that just says, this ain't going to happen the way we think it's going to happen or as, or as fast as we think it might happen. Yeah, and, and habits have to change. Um, you, you bring up baseball being a dirty dugout, you know, the sunflower seeds, the, the spitting habits. Um, that stuff's going to have to change. But it's not just that. But you mentioned football. Football and hockey. Think about how many times we see a guy get a sport of Gatorade or water in his mouth. 
he, he rinses his mouth with it and then spits it out. Yeah. Like, I mean, that, that stuff can't happen anymore. I mean, uh, and granted, these guys have been doing this their whole lives, but you just think about germs and everything like that. First of all, I thought it was disgusting to begin with <laughs> the whole sunflower <laughs> seed stuff. I, I understand that, you know, it's ingrained in baseball, but I've always found that. Like, just buy them already de-shell. You know what I mean? And just chew the seed. I mean, uh, you're done with it. A, a baseball dugout between the trash that's lying around, between the seeds, yeah. between tobacco, which is still there, even though baseball's tried to cut back on it, but the, yeah. the chewing tobacco and everything, it's just, it, it, and older people, yeah, the one area I've said, I don't think they're going to come back with baseball this year. I, I've been on the record with that, that I mm. said that I think the financial. But you think it's because of the economic, you think it's because more of the economics. Of care, I think right? it's both. I think it's okay. a combination of both because I think one, there's enough stre- uh, stress between the players and the owners at this point, hand into a CBA anyway. And two, yeah. boy, if you have to take a 67-page memo, uh, you know, and you can't shower, you can't take Uber, you basically, like, you know, that's it, that makes you wonder. And I'm sure there's going to be players who are going to ask whether it's worth going back even for the paychecks they'll get. Yeah, well, yes and no. The way baseball is structured, you got a lot of guys who make top money that can – Hey, I don't have to go back. Right. But then you have you know, a lot of guys you know, with you know, 400,000 who, who need it, like the journeyman. Yeah. Ex- exactly. And I think those guys are going to be like, look, I'm willing to do whatever I can to get, you know, to get a paycheck. Because, you know, we're, we're, what else are you going to, you know, nothing against the ball players, but what else are you going to do where you can, you know, make that kind of money and you've been supporting your family, you know, your you know, your spouse probably doesn't work. You got a couple kids, you know, you, you probably – you know, your, your you know, league minimum about $400,000, which is, you know, more than most people make, but right. you know, they're probably living a certain lifestyle yeah. and they realize they've got a short window to make some money, to make some coin. I think those guys are going, there's more of those guys than there are the Mike Trouts, you know, mm-hmm. and Bryce Harper's who are making 30, you know, 30 million a year. So I think um, those guys will help sway uh, the entire union. But but you're right. There's been ac- acrimony between the two sides for a gazillion years. Uh, and I, I tell you, I can see both sides of it. Um, the, the, the ticket gates, you know, that's a big portion of the owner's revenue. And I understand when the owners say, all right, look, we're only going to play half the number of games. We're going to play 80 games. Take a, you know, but you got to take more than a 50% pay cut because it's not just the number of games. It's, it's all this other revenue coming in the body or come, the body's coming through yeah. the gates. Right, and buying the ten dollars beers, and you know, buying the, the the souvenir and the swag, and paying for the you know twenty dollars for parking, um, the sweets. You know, uh, I, you know, I can totally see the owner side of it um, as well. Um, and I, it'll be interesting. But to I can also, if they and, do come back, and, and Mike, you could cue in on this one too. I could also see the players because the players felt like they made an agreement in March with these owners that. Our salaries are going to be prorated depending on how many games we play. There was no little out clause there that said, oh, by the way, if we have nobody in the stands, there's extra money there. So, it, and then it also is going on that dangerous path towards a salary cap in their mind when you talk about revenue sharing and all that. It, it just gets, because that lines up with the NFL and the NBA leagues that have salary caps. I really believe that this is where it's going to become way too tricky for them to to come back the other leagues i think it will be back the nfl is going to play no matter what i mean the nfl i'm, I'm pretty certain and mike well bar barring a research bar a resurgence 
Yeah. Don't apply. I mean, but they're pretty hellbent that, you know, even if one person gets it in the NFL locker room, I could see Roger Goodell going, okay, he's on IR, next guy up. You know, I know. No, can, but what I'm yep. saying, if there's, a, if there's a resurgence in this country, oh, yeah. we're, we're back to that's, March. That's a, that's a different point. That's, yeah, you're right. Right. That's the only thing that could stop the NFL. Um, but, I mean, the NFL and the NBA, I think, are, are going to press on no matter what, and the NHL at that point. Would you agree, Deuces? Yeah. See, one sure. of the pro- Okay, Mike. Yeah, Go one ahead, of the Mike. problems in this, Kevin, I think, and, and Deuces, is because these guys make a lot of money, or some of them make a lot of outrageous money in some cases, we forget that they're human beings like us. Um, and we don't treat them like that. You, you know, we just say, oh, okay, you're going to go be by yourself for three months. You're not going to see your family. You know, you're going to be stuck in a hotel room or whatever, whatever it might be. And you're getting a lot of money. So, go, you know, and some of these guys might say no. Um, I mean, I'm sure a lot of them it's going to come down to money because it usually does. But I think in some of these cases, some guy's going to say, I don't know if I want to be away for th- – I don't know. You know, but I think you hear some people voicing that concern too. And we don't treat them like human beings anymore because they're different than us. They make too much money. In, in a lot of people's minds. Go ahead, Deuces. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I can definitely see that side of it as well. You know, the whole quarantining and, and being away from your family and everything like that. But again, as you mentioned, like it's going to come down to money. And I think there's more guys who are going to say, yep, we want that money. You know, yep. we want to, you know, rather get something than nothing, especially, like I said, those guys who've got a three or four year window, you know, who, you know, might be back on a bus in, you know, Altoona. You know, right. uh, trying to make a living, you know, trying to get back up to the big leagues. It's funny when you mentioned about the NFL. The NFL is such a machine. And, and, I, and I agree with that point where if somebody gets it, um, Kevin, you said, and Roger Goodell is just going to push that guy aside. Um, the NFL is it, – it's funny. When, when this was really at its, you know, going strong in March, the NFL is like, yep, draft's still happening. Yeah, yep. draft's still happening. We're still doing this. We're still doing and that. And it worked out, be- the, it worked out better. Still coming up. The draft yeah. worked out better it, the way it was structured with the virtual. Like, I'm not sure but, you went to that every Kevin. year. Kevin, let's yeah. say one guy tests positive and you shun him aside. And four days later, four of his teammates test positive. That's where they'll have the problem. Because that's, well, and that's a very likely scenario. It's not like if one guy gets sick. Mm-hmm. Like the NBA didn't say to the guy on Utah, okay, you, you go away. Um, no, they shut the whole thing down. Right. Um, and you can have these great ideas that, okay, we're going to take the, this trainer just got sick. Okay, take him off the training staff, put him away. But if you're the other hundred guys around that team, are are you going to feel good? Yeah, <laughs> well, going well, to you practice got, the next day. <laughs> I you don't know. Think, so, so when the stuff went down with Utah and and Gobert, uh, there was no testing really. You know I mean, right. and so it was just like, I mean, he just That's who knows true. who or yeah. contact right. tracing. I, you, uh, I believe the NFL's thought process is by the time we get to whatever semblance of a training camp we're going to do, you know, whether it be in late July or push back to August or when the season starts in September that they're going to be testing people, you know, before you even get in the parking lot. And, right. and I think that's the NFL's thought process. And, and I got to say this, if, if anybody or any organization can get their hands on the most advanced testing, you know, that, that's available, it'll be the NFL. You know I mean? Amen. Just, Amen to that. <laughs> the NFL, you know, I mean, they, they've got, they got more money than, than, than the government. You know what I mean, the, the NFL will literally write a check and go, okay, how much? How much, how much, and get everything done at once. Um, yeah. You know, it's amazing when you look at it. And 
one of the probably obviously the biggest event you've covered since you got to in the town in 2012, correct? Yeah. Yes. Was the Super Bowl, which you know, you were here <laughs> you were here long enough to know what Philadelphia was like. But did that surprise you what that year was was like for you know, going through that and spending a whole week in a yeah. mall spending a whole week in a mall in Minnesota? Yeah, that was that was crazy. So I got here in 2012, as you mentioned, the Eagles were four and 12. I call that the Nandi, the Nandi year. Yeah. <laughs> Nandi was our, our, our co-host on a, a show, our Sunday night show, the Eagles football frenzy. And it was, it was maddening because he'd get burned, you know, for touchdowns. And I had yeah. Hey, uh, Nandi, what happened on this play? And he's like, yeah, I don't know. I got to look at the film. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> it was maddening. So then you fast forward, you know, to the Super Bowl, you know, five years later, whatever. And, and that team just, in the in the middle of the season, did I think they were going to win the Super Bowl? Absolutely not. I mean, right. Carson was having a good year, but I mean, it's just so many things have to go right for you to win the Super Bowl. And the teams just, you know, they, they, they caught a little magic, and then Wentz goes down, and then you think, all right, they're done. I mean, because it was, you know, Nick Foles, and Nick Foles, he wasn't Nick Foles that was here the first go around. You know I mean, he was a journeyman by that point, and you're like, there's no way this thing's, gonna, you know, this is going to happen. And the funny story, my my. My son's birthday is January 7th. My wife's birthday is January 13th. My wife's always asking about, you know, birthday parties. Right. And, you know, the Eagles hadn't been good. So I'm like, yeah, January, go ahead, plan stuff for January. We're good. We're good. We're good. And then all of a sudden, like, uh-oh. And I, I, I spent through the nose for two tickets to uh, go see Hamilton in New York. Oh. Um, and it was back. Hamilton was hot. I mean, I bought the tickets in April for January. And, and the Eagles schedule came out. Um, I couldn't make it, you know what I mean? So she ended up going with a girlfriend, you know. Said, I don't even want to say what I spent for that money. But that year was crazy. And then you mentioned the mall, uh, Mall of America in Minneapolis. So we showed up on Saturday, the sat- you know, the week before, prior to the game. The right. Eagles show up on Sunday, and then we left the following Monday. So I was there you know, nine days. The coldest I've ever been in my life. Um, you I'm looked at you, you and Jamie looked oh. it was It was miserable. I'm not kidding. It was miserable. And the week before, I broke my finger. And if you've ever broken a bone, or especially like a bone in your finger at the tip, the cold just makes it hurt that much worse. Right. And, you know, you've know, got the hand warmers, two gloves, I'm layer, layer, and I'm just miserable. And we're doing shots outside, and eventually we start doing shots inside the mall, which is great. And then eventually, you know, some big way to get the station says, we want to see the stadium. We paid, you know, $5,000 or $10,000 to have the scaffold shot you know, the NFL charge you to have a right. shot outside the stadium. We want to start seeing that. So then we had to start doing live shots out there. And on the Sunday of the game, our first live shot was uh, local time here, 6 o'clock, so 5 a.m. Uh, in Minneapolis. So I had to get up at, you know, 3 o'clock in the morning. We're out there. It's freezing. They had a little trailer down at the bottom of the scaffold with a little couple heaters in there. But as soon as you open the door, all the heat's gone. I mean, it was just miserable. And then they win the Super Bowl. <laughs> they win the Super Bowl. You know, you're you're at the stadium until one o'clock in the morning. You get back to the hotel at two thirty. I had a flight at six, um, so I didn't sleep. I just packed, came right. back, and then I landed. And I'm on my way home, and they're like, "The Eagles just landed. We're gonna break in. Come straight to the station." <laughs> so I go straight it's, to the station. I, I'm did, in a sweater. I was just gonna say, were you in sh- suit and tie, or did you have like? No, I was in a sweater. I hadn't shaved, uh, haven't showered. I go straight to the station. As soon as I get there, Monica Mal passes on the air. Uh, 
doing play-by-play of the Eagles clean landing. They throw me on the set, throw a microphone on me. I don't think they ever put me on camera, so this is voice up. Right. And so I'm doing the broadcast with her, you know, breaking news, champs arrive, and, and it was just – it was surreal. But I got to tell you, it was – talk about a rush. It was it was awesome. And then you had the parade, I think, three days later. And you were that in the studio that for cool, that, but, right? Yeah, I was in the studio with uh, – yeah, I was a little – yeah, I kind of wanted to be on the – you know – and I get why they do things. I kind of want to be on the street level, but right. um, I was in the studio with uh, uh, Jim and uh, Jorsky with right. Jaws. And uh, that was cool too. That was cool. You know, just, just to you know, have that vantage point and hear Jaws tell his stories. Um, yeah. But, but to think that, you know, a few years earlier, they were, awesome. not only were they a bad team, they had some bad guys on that, on, on those teams. Yeah, they did. You know? And that's why I told people. And, and, and then I, it was followed by a bad guy as a head coach. Oh, I can tell you stories about that guy too. But yeah, so so but um, please do because you know I, I probably will. I probably will. Um, <laughs> but it, it's funny because you know people are like, oh, you were for the Eagles, or you originally from Chicago, or you were for the Bears. And I, what I always tell people is, when you start to get to know these guys, and 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 you guys know, you spend some, you spend time, you you start liking players, and you, then you start pulling for players. You know what I mean? Like like Brandon Graham's one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Yeah, and and he can go join the green Bay Packers tomorrow. And I, and I grew up hating the Packers and I would still root for him because he's such a good guy. And that, that Eagle scene that won Super Bowl, there wasn't a bad guy on it. Like I said, you go back, you know, a few years earlier, there were some bad dudes. And then, and then you mentioned the, the head coach that came in. Yeah. The, the head coach of that team was not a good dude. Mike. So if you have an, a, a chance to even think about, we know how sports are going to be different at least for a while, you know, hopefully not for too long. How is what you do and what other members of the media do going to change, at least for a while, in terms of you getting access? You, you know, oh. I'm, I'm just trying to think. It's going to be a little weird, isn't it? it, it yeah, and I, I mentioned this right when this started. I mentioned this to one of my producers. So over the years, many teams have started restricting access just, just on their own. They're trying to control their own message. They've got their own social media accounts. Uh, they've got their own. Some of them have their own like television networks or you know YouTube channels. They're always trying to control the message that goes on. You know, almost, I guess, eliminating us, viewing us as the middleman. Uh, but also, they're putting out their own message. It's their own message. They, mm-hmm. they they're not going to put out a story of you know there was a fight in the locker room. You know what I mean? Um, so I think that they're going to try to res- use this to restrict access. Um, so if you ever covered cover tennis you know no one ever goes into the tennis locker room they bring out whoever they want to bring out to a podium and that's who you talk to you know if you're looking for somebody else you gotta jump through a million hoops to get you know to find you know that one player or whatever um i have a funny feeling that the, of the four major sports they're going to start doing that you you may not see um the cameras in the locker room like we used to they're going to say listen end of the game we're going to bring out doug carson and maybe two other players to a podium, and that's all you get. And then for us to get, you know, for us to get the backup tight end that that muffed, uh, you know, that muffed the punt or something like that, we're gonna have to chase him down in a parking lot, you know, on his way to the bus or something like that. I think that's that's going to be uh, a lasting effect of this. And do you think do you think for a while too, with testing and masks and things, at least until we get past it, or or we think we're past it. Do you think those things will come into play also for, for you guys? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, if I was a team, I'll tell you this. If I was a team, I would, I would, if you're testing 
players and staff and trainers coming to your facility, you, you almost have to test um, any outsider that's coming in, a, a media person, especially if we're going to have some, you know, somewhat of some access to the players. Um, yeah, I think that I think that going forward, that's going to happen. You're going to see a lot more of those boom microphones too. Yeah. You know, where we're standing six feet away with a pole um, to interview right. the players and the coaches. Um, yeah, you 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 have to. You're right. Until we get until we're sure we got past this, or we have a vaccine, or or there's there's like um, that we have a that we know we've got a complete handle on this. You've got to test anybody that's going to have any access to your to your staff and players. You you guys have been big on the Skype interviews, uh, players, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, Jim Curtin, I think the uh, press conference last night, I saw Jim yeah. Curtin was on there, but you, you have guys have had to invent a little bit of the things you do technologically and, and even maybe style wise on the fly here. Haven't you like you and Jamie and, and, yeah. and actually it's not just you guys, I should yeah, just point you guys. It's, it's yeah. all the stations. Yeah, and, and it's it's taking some creativity, and it doesn't always look pretty, you know, like the production value that we, you know, have in normal times. Um, but it's taken, and it's also taken a little bit of elbow grease um, because, and I, I got to give Jamie and Jeff credit, uh, they're hustlers, um, you know, to try to get that player, you know, whoever it may be, you know, to do a, a Zoom interview or a Skype interview with them. You know, they're hitting them up on social media constantly, going, trying to go through the agents, you know, Sometimes the teams haven't been as um, responsive as as they would be under normal circumstances in right. terms of trying to get a hold of, uh, of players for us. So it's a lot of just kind of doing the end around. Um, but I think from the from the player standpoint, I think sometimes it's almost easier for them because it's not like you know when they're at the facilities, you know they've got a limited amount of time to do the whatever work they need to do, whether it be working out, practice, film study. Um, we get them in a the locker room for 30 minutes to kind of shower or eat at the same time. Right. So to kind of, it's almost like on their own time. So we'll send, you know, just going to give you an example, you know, send uh, Reese Hoskins, you know, a tweet, right. Reese, you know, can we get Jeff Skaberski at channel six, any chance we can talk to you? And he's like, all right, I can do it at 8am, you know? And it's like, cool. You know what I mean, it's, it's almost easier for him that way too. Right. It's just 10 minutes, gets it out of the way. And also it's helped too. a lot of these athletes are um, promoting certain things, you know, whether it's charity work. And so, right. You know, it's they're trying to get their face on TV, and so that helps. But yeah, it's it's been interesting. And then it, what I always find interesting is so like we'll run um an interview Jamie does with Brett Brown. You know, we run that at five thirty or six o'clock, and then I'm going to run it again at eleven, but just a snippet. But Jamie's you know, picture still box. there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's just that's just the way it is when you're recording it that way. Um, there there hasn't you know when somebody could throw out a way to record like multiple channels, you know, right. screens that way it would um, look cleaner. But then, you know, so then I have the intro it is Brett spoke with Jamie earlier today, which is fine. It takes him a right. couple extra seconds, but if she's not speaking, it's just kind of like you just see her just there. How much do you miss Bristol, Connecticut? <laughs> Deuces. Uh, there was a famous sportscaster in New York named Sal Marciano. And he used to work at ESPN. And his famous line was, the best place to see Bristol is in your rear view mirror. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I can agree to that 100%. But, Bristol as a town is, is nothing. Um, in terms of working at ESPN, yeah. I, was there three, I was there three years. Um, it took me about six months in to realize I did not want to be there. Um, and, and it just, I don't know if I've spoken 
I've told people about this. I don't know if I've spoken in a public forum like this about it, but I signed a three-year contract. After about six months in, I realized it was very, it was a little political. It was a little mm-hmm. political. Um, um, I was always used to working, you know, I worked in New York, worked in Miami. Um, you work, you go to a station, you've got a defined role. You're the, you're the sports director, you're the sports director. You're the weekend mm-hmm. sports anchor. Weekend, you're the morning, you know, you've got a role. Sure. There, it was such a big machine that once you got in there, you had to basically apply for uh, roles and jobs. Right. And I was never, I think by the time I figured that out, I felt like I was behind, I was already behind everybody else. Um, but like you, you literally, you'd be there and you're like, all right, well, I've been doing this shift and I really don't want to do that. I want to do, I want to do some NBA, you know, right. NBA stuff. So you got to go find the guy who runs NBA. You knock on his door or try to set up a meeting with his assistant. You get in there and he's like, yeah, what, what can I do, help you with? And you're like, I'd like to you know, do some NBA shows. He's like, all right, well, what do you do here? Like, what do you mean? What like, he had no idea who you are because there's 5,000 million people there. Right. And so he's like, all right, well, give me a resume tape. Like a resume tape? I, like, I got a resume. I had a resume I work tape here. to get this job. I work here, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But that's what you had to do. And you had to go basically, and then you drop off a, a DVD with them, and you go back the next week, and he's like, eh, I, never, I never got a chance to look at it. And you're like, and it was just like, it was maddening for me. It was maddening. And, it, and you're on crazy shifts and you know other people you feel like are getting better shows than you and it's competitive you want to do you know toward the end i was um i got to i was uh bob lee's main fill-in from outside the lines right and they let me do some uh college baseball play-by-play and it was like the last six months i was there and that was probably the happiest i was there but i had already decided that i was gonna we had we had we had kevin nagandi on uh Uh three weeks ago mike roughly Roughly, mm-hmm. and and Kevin said he actually had considered like when you got the job at at six ABC, he was going for that job too. Did you know that? Uh, I had heard rumors. Yeah, yeah I had heard rumors. And I know Kevin. You know, obviously Kevin's from here. He interned here. He was, right. he was very close with Gary Papa. Um, so yeah, I um, I had heard, yeah, I heard rumblings of that. Um, it worked out well for both. But, of uh, them. but Kevin. I, for for both of us, Kevin made the right decision. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Kevin, you know, Kevin is catapulted there. No, I'm right. sure he's very happy there. Um, I'm I'm thrilled here. Um, one thing we used to always joke at ESPN, we called it we called it ATL. A lot of the on air people call it ATL. Whether you're above the line, right? And in terms of on air people, um, like so the line, right? And, you know, so your your Van Pelts, Carl Ravitch, you know, Bob Lee, you know, those guys are above the line, and some of us who were new there. And regardless of your background, and this is one of the, I guess, the good things about ESPN, no matter where you came from, you at least you felt like you were all even when you got there. And then, like I said, the political game happens and other people move forward. Kevin's ATL now. He's above the line. You know, he's doing college football on ABC. You know, he's doing six o'clock sports centers. He's doing the marquee shows. Um, in the beginning, you know, I'm sure, I don't know if he spoke about this when he was on with you guys. It was, it was a struggle. And, uh, and I know, you know, at the beginning, Kevin wasn't as happy, like a lot of us, you know, when you're below the line. Right. Um, but he was able to break through, which is, which is great for him. And great for me, like I said, that I got this. <laughs> Mike? Yeah, but that, that's the dream job for everybody to make. Like, when we look for, at it from the outside, it's like, oh, the guy's on ESPN. He's made it. Yeah. yeah you, know, <laughs> it, it, you know, it's funny, and, and, and I got to be careful what I say because um, Disney owns both of us. So. Yes. <laughs> um, um, but it's, can I tell you, it's, I always thought that too. So I was in Miami for eight years. And when I first got, uh, got to Miami, my goal was either get back to Chicago or get to ESPN. 
And I stayed in Miami, stayed in Miami. And I got to the point where I was like, all right, I can stay here forever. You know, I, you know, nice living. You know what I mean? It was cool. I was young, single. It was cool. Um, and then New York came calling. It's a, you know, big market. You know what I mean? Like, all right, I'll go to New York. And I was there in New York for five years. And then um, they did some cutbacks, and I was one of the casualties. And my agent and I were talking about what I, what I can do next. And, you know, when you're in New York, you're like, am I going to go back to Miami? You know you know what I mean? And then there was a couple opportunities that popped up. And then ESPN popped up. And I was like, wow, you know, maybe I will give you, a, you know, this a try. You know, do something on a, you know, bigger scale. And, and it, was, it, was, it was cool for a bit. But it's, you know, it's funny. You'll talk to even some of the bigger guys at ESPN. And it's in all professions, all walks of life, you know. You look at the person who sitting in the corner office, and you know you think he's got it made, and but you talk to him, and he's like, "Man, I don't like this place because of this, because of that." You know, trust me, I've heard, you know, I've heard, you know, some of the bigger names at ESPN gripe, you know, gripe about the system, the machine, right, and stuff like that. Um, so for me, it wasn't my, it wasn't my end all be all. Um, also, it, you're so disconnected from a local team. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, you're, it, it's, it's like I feel like it's headline service. You know what I mean? You're just you're just doing headlines for stories, not doing stories. And and to be with one team or one city, you're cover, you're with that team up and down, win or lose. You know, I I feel more invested in that. I will say this: when you're at ESPN, you got to know a little about a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're in a local market, you got to know a lot of, a lot about the four or five six teams. You know, college teams you're covering. Um, so I feel like I'm more immersed with these teams. Now, if you're asking me who's playing, you know, who's the shortstop for the for the Royals next year, I may not be able to use that off the top of my head. When I was at ESPN, I had to know some of that stuff. Yeah. You know I mean? yeah. Deuces, you had talked a little bit before about creativity, and we've had some other guests on during this. How tough is it to come up with story ideas on days when there's no stories, and yet you guys, and I think everybody in the media, at least around here, has done a really good job with it, both in the papers and on the air. But it's got to be like nerve wracking to say we have nothing for tomorrow, especially when you get yeah, yeah. ten of this. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And and you're and you and you're exactly right. I remember when the, when this first happened, a lot of what we were doing was, oh, today would have been uh, start of the Mets Philly series. <laughs> it was like we did that we did that dance for a week, and then we realized, all right, that that's getting old. <laughs> you can't you can't keep doing that, and. So it's been tough, and we, you know, we'll have some conversations like, "Man, we really need something." And then, some something sometimes things just fall in your lap. Um, like we got rumblings that that Doug Peterson was going to do a video conference today, and he did one uh, this morning. So you know, we had that on the schedule. Um, you know, so some and the teams have kind of helped us out with that. Um, the The Eagles have been pretty good about just randomly having guys available to talk. And the Flyers in the beginning were pretty good about that too. Just randomly having, you know, all right, Kevin Hayes is going to do a do a Skype interview, or, or uh, Coach AV is going to do something. So that that's helped us out. Um, Jamie's done a great job. She's done uh, the local. She calls senior senior spotlight, right. where she's spotlighting these athletes who had their senior season, whether in high school or, or college, get robbed because of the pandemic. And um, you know, and she's done a good job of not making them formula. You know, just a basic formula. You know, there's always some kind of hub. She did one yesterday. Uh, a young lady, a lacrosse player in um, West Deptford, who she uh, Mackenzie, I forget her last name, but she um she had Hodgkin's lymphoma a couple years ago, and it cost her to miss a couple seasons. So she was looking forward to this season 
you know, to, you know, to play her senior season. And that got robbed from her, but thankfully she's going to play and um, play lacrosse in college. Um, so we've done decent jobs of, uh, of doing things like that. Um, it's going to dry up at some point, yeah. <laughs> which is, which is great that NASCAR came back and they had that golf exhibition. We're getting um, to the end of the well, you, aren't we? <laughs> now, just think of this though. By the time the fall rolls around, you'll have too much. Because there's going to be 35 sports playing all once. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, double headers and yeah. Yeah. Uh, Deuces Rogers joins us. Deuces, you sit next to a guy who, quite frankly, may end up for natives in this area as like one of the five most recognizable Philadelphians ever. What's it like working next to the gardener every night? Jim is the absolute best. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. He's one of my, one of my best friends. Um, and it's been difficult for me in this pandemic that I can't hang out with him. Um, Jim comes into the sports office every single day around three forty-five. Like, so he's out in the newsroom. Sports is tucked in a corner. Uh, his, the mailbox, the station where we get our mail, is outside the sports office. He grabs his mail, comes in, leans up against my desk, goes through his mail, and for forty-five minutes we just talk sports. A lot of it's about sports, you know. He's a huge sports fan. We talk family, just stuff. He's obviously he's, he's brilliant and smart, um, thoughtful. He's so so. You know, he's serious on here, but he is so funny. And and not being able to have that, you know, to be with him, um, that that's the saddest thing for me right now with this pandemic. I it was his birthday um, a couple days ago, and I sent him a note, and um, he sent me something really nicely back that uh you can't wait that we you know that we can go hang out at a diner again together um well, yeah, I, jim is jim is awesome I, I i saw you guys a couple times like at leah core center like when you would drop yeah. by like for a, yeah. a, a, a temple game or, or yeah. he, he used to come into the press box for the phillies once a year or so it was strange like it was yeah. you look up and there's gardener it's like what, what? Oh, guys. <laughs> Can I tell you a funny story? So, so Jim, Jim, like I said, he's a huge sports fan, and I've lost more than a bet or two to him because he knows way more about it than I, than I do. I, and I actually I tell you, I lean on him because you know, he's a Philadelphia encyclopedia, first of all. And then when it comes to sports, I mean, he just – like he'll – I don't want to mention names, but let's say a coach gets hired or a player gets traded here. He'll tell me, right, this, this guy's not going to work here, and I'll tell you why. And then fast forward two or three years – you know, said coach is, is gone. You can say chip. Um, we, 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 you can say chip. <laughs> you can say chip. Yeah, yeah, probably, probably chip. Probably well, you chip. described yeah. them. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm telling you, day one, day one, Jim was on record with me. Like, it's not going to work. And day one. And, you know, I was drinking a chip Kool-Aid like crazy, you know, um, until chip became chip. Uh, but w- one day we went to um, we went, um, to a Phillies game in between shows. And we're hanging out, and and um, Jim goes, "Is that is that Paul Jolliver?" And I'm like, "Yeah, this Jolly." He's like, "Can you introduce me to him?" I'm like, "Sure." No, and no, this can't be true. I'm dead serious. <laughs> this can't be true. I'm dead serious. Jim was like, and Jim was telling him what a great job he does on the air and everything like that. And Jolly and and Jolly, please have Jolly on to back me up. Jersey, Jersey, Jolly was. Johnny was like on cloud nine. <laughs> I mean, he, the man was floating, you know, and it was cool. But but Jim was genuine, you know. Just like I love, you know, love listening to you. And it was 
it was it was awesome. It was first runner up is the first loser. <laughs> <laughs> so wait a minute. Awesome. I love Jolly. I, I, I love Jolly too. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> never. I, I could always I could always what? tell if it was a bad night in Atlantic City on my way home if I was listening to Jollowitz. <laughs> anyway. So uh, right, I got it. I got it. I got okay, it. But no, but, but, but Jim. Uh-huh. No, go ahead. Uh, but, but Jim, Jim is, uh, Jim is, Jim is great. And I, and he might, he might kill me for telling this story, but I'm going to anyway. Um, so he can I, rebut I, it on this show if he wants, you know, I will gladly you know have him on. You know what? I'll send him a note. Okay. I'll send him a note. Jim doesn't do a whole lot and stuff, but no. I'll send him a note. Maybe I'll prod him. Maybe, maybe you know, if I maybe we'll have him and job. Maybe we'll have him and him Jollowitz together. <laughs> So if I can win a darn bet against Jim, maybe that could, that could be the payoff. You've got to come on your show. Um, so I, 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 I flew down for my interview at, at, um, at Action News, and I thought it went really well. I fly back. You know, a couple days later, um, I'm driving home from ESPN, and I get a call from the news director. You know, so I pull over. I'm going to write down the contract numbers and everything like that. And he's like, you need to come back for a second interview. Because you know, I, um, they wanted me to do a screen test with Jim, right? And actually meet Jim. I didn't get to meet Jim before. Uh, the first time I came for my interview, I did a screen test with Williams. A screen test based like an audition. Yeah. Know? And then, um, so I come back, and you know, and I'm a television news junkie. Um, I, you know, the first thing I do when I go in another city is I turn on to the local news and watch the newscast, the sportscast. So you know, and I knew I've known who Jim Garner was in, like the moment I got in his business, you know, 25 years ago. And so I'm like, wow, you know, Jim Garner, all right. And so I come back to the interview and he's at his desk and I see him, but he doesn't really see me. He's on the phone. And so I mean, it, it would have been nice to get to meet him before I got to go do the screen test with him. They bring me into the studio <laughs> and, and so I'm sitting on the set waiting to do this thing. And he walks in, he's on his cell phone and he says, and do you mind again, I have not met him. He says in his cell phone, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I gotta go. I gotta, I gotta go do, um, I got to go do some audition with some, some guy named Juices, whatever. All right, I'll talk to you later. Bye. And I'm like, shook. I'm like, shook. And I just look at him and he goes, ah, I'm just messing with you. And I, my, my heart, like, sank. But it was great because it, it loosened me up. You know? And it, it totally loosened me up. It was awesome. And the one thing, Deuces, is we've seen him loosen up on air with the, you talk about the funny side. You've seen it more with, when Cecily's earring drops. I mean, some of my favorite YouTube clips now are, are Gardner, Gardner messing up the names of the musical guest on Kimmel. You know, like that type of stuff. He, he, he feels more, maybe because he's older, uh, but he feels like he can show that side a little more, correct? Yeah, and I think so. And he, and he, he paid me a compliment. God, I might have been there six months. You know, you're still feeling each other out. And, you know, and... I will say this. I'm probably a little more conservative now um, on the air than I was, let's say, when I was in Miami because I was in my 20s and I right. you know, thought I was funny, you know. And and so, I'm, you know, and sitting next to him, I get a little bit more buttoned up. But every now and then, you know, I'll say something. And he pulled me aside once and told me that that I made the newscast more enjoyable for him, that it was no longer, you know, it wasn't mundane and stuff like that. And I thought that was i mean that was like it's like getting a pat on the back from you know it's like getting a pat on the back from you know 
name anybody. You know what I mean? Somebody that you really, really respect, you know, Vince Lombardi. You know what right. I mean? It was just, I mean, it was just, and it's just, and it's been cool. And you mentioned the Kimmel names. I, <laughs> I've always thought that Jimmy Kimmel purposely finds these crazy names of bands to make the local anchor say them. And then he was going to have a, you know, a skit where he's going to show them all. But apparently that, that's, this is just I, I should, crazy bands. I, I, I should actually get Kern to announce some of these bands. It's like Kuba Stank. It's, uh, <laughs> trash can blonde. Yeah. <laughs> if I've never, if I've never heard of them, I ain't announcing them. I did. <laughs> that, el- that eliminates like any band in the last 15, 20 years. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So, but yeah, but you're right. But Jim's gotten really, yeah. Like, and he, so you can't see us a lot of times. Jesse and I are like making faces at each other when he reads these names. And sometimes we'll see it in the prompter before, you know, it comes right. up. And you know, the best is when it's like some rap name, you know, G Weezy, you know, <laughs> and, and, Jim, and Jim sells it. <laughs> and then he, then he starts cracking up. It's the highlight, highlight of my, like we get mad when, when Kimball's a rerun, because when the Kimball's a rerun, they, a lot of times they won't, um, won't read the band names or they'll take that line out of the prompter. Um, but yeah, it's, it's the highlight of the newscast for me. <laughs> Definitely. Deuces Rogers of action news. I, I didn't even ask you about the theme song, which is like, you know, you know, it's become like, again, I, 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 I that they were playing in a flyers game to me was actually a little disturbing to be honest, you know, it, it's amazing. So the super bowl, there was some, someone said, we ran this video, some bar in Key West. Mm-hmm. It was filled with a bunch of Eagles fans, maybe Eagles the owner. Fan. Yeah. And they played the action theme song while they were celebrating. The Eagles. It's not the only one in the country that plays that, we should point out. Right? <laughs> it, it's yeah, No, no, no. There's, there's quite a few. It, 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 it's, it's amazing, that song. And and someone told me, and I, someone at the station told me, so I got to believe it, that many, many, many years ago, they went to, they were tinkering with it. Mm-hmm. They they paid they I think the London Orchestra or some orchestra famous orchestra they had them to like remaster it and it ran like a day or two and the outcry was yeah was tremendous that they just ate the ate the ate the bill and brought back the old one it's like new Coke you can't have new Coke it's the power of being Disney you can eat a bill on a big orchestra and you know <laughs> very good, very good point so. yeah, and they probably gave those people a raise. That's true. <laughs> true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Deuces Rogers. Deuces, I appreciate you ju- doing this. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, again, if you can get Gardner on, we'll gladly have him on. You know? I'm going to work on it. And right. stay safe. And stay safe. Please. Stay safe. You guys as well. Thanks ma- for having ma- me, guys. Make sure, make sure you change the lettering on there before before 6 o'clock. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm going to do a, an ode to soap operas or something tonight. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> that, that'll hit. Thanks, Deuces. Deuces Rogers right, joining us. We'll talk Be to you. Good. And we'll be back right after this. I'm going to reach the sports fans of Philadelphia in a brand new way. This is Kevin Cooney. Each week, the Working to Be podcast with Mike Kern and I brings the hottest topics into this sports crazed town with the people and the events that shape the landscape. Now, your business could connect with those people by advertising on the Working to Be podcast. Join us at 267-546-7277 or email us at workingthebeat at gmail.com to find out how you can reach out to this growing audience. It's the best sports talk in Philadelphia, and you can be a part of it. That's 267-546-7277 or workingthebeat at gmail.com 
to join the Work in the Beat podcast family. Well, thanks to Deuces Rogers for joining us uh, on Work in the Beat. Hope we, you found that interview entertaining. Uh, you know, I got to admit to you, Kevin, I don't know Deuces. Like, right. I, I had never really talked to him before today. Yeah. He seems like a really good guy. He is. Which he does on TV, too. Yeah. I mean, I mean, but I always wonder about, and this is going to sound horrible. I don't mean it to sound this way. But TV people, sometimes you just wonder. Like, you know, how much is there? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because they, they are in a different world than we were. Yeah. They have to deal in sound bites and, you know, they're on for two minutes where we might have 800 inch or, you know. 800 words. Right. To write Not 800 some, inches anymore. Yeah. Well, some some of us. Uh, but, um, and he really seemed like, you know, he was much better and, and more, um, I didn't really know his background than I had thought. So I apologize for maybe not giving him or, or other people maybe enough credit. Cause you know, we, I would see him once a year or twice a year when Villanova was in the tournament or you would see more of them. Cause you would see him at the stadium or, or, or I, you know, just was, bouncing around the Eagles and all that you would see. Yeah. But he was, he really seems like, uh, I, I would say yeah. that an Eagle press box on a Sunday is like the ultimate Philadelphia sports media convention. Cause mm-hmm. everybody's there. Talk show. And the other, the other thing is, I don't watch Channel Six a lot for nothing against anybody in Channel Six. I've just become a Channel Three person, a Yuki Washington, whatever. That that's just my habit. Um, and my wife actually watches Channel Six a lot, so right. I come in and she has it on. Yeah, I mean, I should watch Jim Gardner, but I I like Yuki, whatever. Um, but yeah, he he just seems yeah. So maybe that's why I don't. Well, and one of the. One of the things, though, with Six has been it's been the same faces for years. Like, other stations go through a lot. Like, Channel 3 has had Yuki for a long time and everything. Uh, Don Bell's been back there for a bit, too. Uh, mm-hmm. But Six has been, you know, look, it was Rick Williams, Monica Melpass, Jim Gardner, Dave Roberts was there forever. You know, that's part of the reason I think they've been so successful. I mean, everybody's kind of grown up with them at this point. Well, they've been number one for what, four 40, decades? 45 years. I mean, Channel 3, and you were too young probably to remember, but Channel 3 in the mid-'70s when they had Jessica Savage, Vince Leonard, Al Meltzer. Um, I'm leaving one guy out. Um, uh, oh, God, Maury. Oh, God, he went He went. He went. Maury to, Povich. No, 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 no. The other guy who was on, he went to Detroit and became huge in Detroit. And then they said something oh. that that showed the anchor man was built more crim somewhat on what's that more crim more crim yes they were huge I mean they were for a few years there I mean you they, I mean they had superstars yeah you know Al Melter was as big as it got in Philadelphia yeah uh, Jessica Savage was a star in the making if she didn't die tragically um, you know and then Channel Six just became the one uh, I think Jim O'Brien you know who also yeah. died tragically way too young. He was a big part of that. Jim O'Brien um, was huge, yeah. Tolly. Oh, I, Kevin, I remember the day he died. And we were watching the news, and uh, they were crying on the air. Yeah. There's actually YouTube clips now of that broadcast. Yeah, I'm trying to remember who was on. I don't know if Gardner and Jim was- Chris Wagner and Gardner were on. Okay, I remember there was a woman on, and she was yeah. really yeah. visibly shaken. Um. Let's do a hard turn into uh, some of this. We talked about this 67-page report um, that baseball has done. 
No fist bumps, no high fives, no spitting, no tobacco use, no sunflower seeds. Fielders encouraged to retreat several steps behind base runners between pitches. First and third base coaches, not to oppose base runners or umpires. Players should not socialize with opponents. Ball be thrown away if it's touched by multiple players. Throwing around the infield is discouraged after outs. Pitchers will have their own set of balls to throw during bullpen sessions. Personnel who rub baseballs will, uh, with mud for umpires must use gloves. Players are discouraged from showering at the stadium. No taxis or ride-sharing sh- uh, apps. I had somebody tell me that this is the most harsh, sm- that baseball knows that there's no way they're going to be able to enforce all this, but... But again, it's draconian. It, it, it really is. Well, you no, know, the point is why do it? Um, like that that's my it's not baseball. But I give them credit in the sense that they're saying there's a pandemic out there. And oh by the way, people taking steps has helped, we think it's helped to keep the spread of this down. So why are we all of a sudden just going to ignore that? Like, you know, a lot of these rules, how are they going to enforce all these things? I mean, well, I, love, I, was, watching, I, love, I was watching the golf on Sunday mm-hmm. and they did a really good job. Look, it wasn't the same, but, but at the end, they're playing the last hole and they weren't standing six feet apart. No. You know, they, and I don't even think they realize that they, and so what are you going to do? Say, Hey, Dustin, you're only three feet away from Ricky. It's a stroke I, penalty. I mean, yeah. I, I just don't, you know, are these guys going to have fun playing? You've been around teams, Kevin. I, I, I mean, it doesn't sound like fun to me. No, and you have players who aren't playing now sitting in the stands above the dugout and managers and all of them having to wear masks. And it, it, uh, about, five, about five or six games in, I can see a couple of these guys saying, why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. Especially if somebody tests positive. Now, look, nobody might test positive. You know, they might go, it might go beautifully, as the president would say. But I don't know that. You don't know that. But at some point, don't you think that the, the 27th guy on the bench or, or maybe one year is going to say, my God, like, like, you know, oh, I used the wrong ball. Oh, you know, or when the catcher goes to throw it around after a strikeout and, and the guy, they got to let the ball roll in the left field because the guy ain't going to want to touch the ball. I mean, boy, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I mean, what do you think? My own opinion is it's unfe- it, it's unsustainable. Well, then let me ask you this. What makes NHL or NBA or NFL sustainable? There's more contact in those sports, way more contact than baseball. Yeah, here's what's the difference. And I've said this before. Uh, it, it's the fact that it's the fact that basketball and hockey only has to worry about half their teams for about three weeks. Um, that if you go right into a playoff setting, half these teams are going to be gone. Whereas you're going to have to worry about doing a, you're going to have to worry about doing a whole thing with them on, with baseball on five months or four months or three months of this plus playoffs. The back end, you worry about a resurgence anyway with the playoffs going on. Well, uh, how do you have as a how pro- do you have how do you have an NHL bench? Let me ask you that. Uh, uh yeah. you're gonna have you're gonna have hockey players sitting in stands. You're gonna have to, yeah. And, I mean, in, in basketball, you can do it, 
but you're going to, it's the same principle. Guys sit next to each other. So if you're going, you're going to have guys sitting in the third row. You're going to have to. An NHL bench has, has um, you know, 20 guys sitting next to each other, sweating. You know, you talked about a dugout. A hockey bench is worse. I, I'm just saying. I know, I, what, I know what you're saying, and I agree. But I, I think that um, I, I think the problem, again, hockey is – Hockey's difficult. You know, I never thought of the bench thing because you're pinned in with a bench as far as how much physical. And you make line changes and you're, you know, you're on the fly and, and you got coaches standing right behind you, leaning over, telling you what to do. And, um, I mean, has anybody thought of that? I don't, I don't know. I can't be the only person in the world that thinks I got an NFL sideline has, uh, a hundred people on it. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, you'd You'd have to cut the number of people back. Um, and you may have to extend it all the way down to the 20s. You may have to extend it to the end zones, but it, it's still, these are problems. And again, maybe I'm maybe those problems are overstated, mm-hmm. but if what we've just gone through in the last nine weeks has taught us anything, it's that they're not. No. I mean, at least that's what they tell us. You know, I can only go by what they're telling me. Um, even though some people now are starting to discount the scientists and the doctors and you know, it's, it's like going to my, my son-in-law to do a tax return or something. No, listen to the experts. That's why they're the experts. And I'm sure that they can find ways to overcome a lot of these things. But 67 pages? Yeah. I mean, I almost sit there and go, and, and like you say, that's not even getting to the financial part no, of it, no. which is probably which is the, the tough part. part. Yeah. Yes. Um, we'll talk more about this with Scott Lauber. He's going to be on the show on Thursday. Uh, he's uh, promoting his book, the big 50 uh, about the Phillies. And we'll talk to him about kind of where all this is going. Uh, Do you think people will have to sign liability things or oh, will yeah. that just be kind of part of your contract? No, I think that's going to be, I think that's going to be it. There's so you think like in pro sports, all these pro sport athletes mm-hmm. are going to have to sign a liability, which basically is going to say, I'll, if, if I get sick, you know, Major League Baseball is, is, is going to do the best it can to protect me, but if, God forbid, I get sick, I can't sue anybody. Mike, I believe it's going to go even deeper than that. I think even when they open the stands back up, I think you're going oh. to oh, I, I think you're going so, to have to basically, you know, everybody agrees that when you buy a ticket, you know, there's that little thing in the back nobody ever reads. Right, right. There's going to be changes in the terminology here that I think is going to protect them from this. And it, well, I never and, thought of that, Kevin, but, but, yeah, you're, but think and of, the other thing, like deuces was saying, just getting into the stadium, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be weird. If you've ever been to the link on an Eagles Sunday or a Monday or a Thursday, whenever the hell they've played and it's full because it is on an Eagles week, not as opposed yeah. to temple. The, the gate situation's a mess now. Yeah. Add in temperature checks, add in additional layering uh, of security, and it, it, it's it's not good. Think about the amount what you're saying. Think about, like, we're talking in this country. Do we have enough testing? Do we not? Yeah, everybody seems to agree we're not anywhere near where we have to be. We're improving, but, okay. but we're not there, yeah. Okay, we're, we're getting better. We're, we're doing what? But think about this. You're going to have 15 NFL games every weekend. Think about the amount of 
like you said, temperature, all that, that's going to have to go on. And then you say 15 Major League Baseball games. And then you say, you know, here's the NBA, NHL. And then you have college football and eventually college basketball. That's a major, like, undertaking, think, just testing part. Mike, think of this, okay? Um, think of the fact that, I don't know, when's the last time you were at a drugstore? I go to my Rite Aid Fair amount because it's right around the corner. Okay. I go to, so I, I go to. I have been in, yeah, I have been in there a fair amount. Right. Either the Walgreens or the Acme or whatever. Mm-hmm. Trying to find a thermometer since all this has happened. Oh no no no, Kevin! It's impossible. I, I went. I went a, over a month ago because my wife uh, wanted one, uh, and something that you put on the. Th- it's a couple of things. I went over and they looked at me and say, "Mike, we sold out of them two weeks ago, and we don't know when we're going to get them back." And some lady was over there the other day asking about one, and they just looked at her. It, it's like trying to get wipes. You, you tell me where there's wipes. I've actually you know, just got. I actually just got a pair this weekend. Uh, packed this weekend. Where'd you get them? Pack me. Okay. You mean like like a box of um like, like Clorox? Or like a Clorox disinfectant wipes. I got like okay. A, a, a thing. Okay. But what I'm saying is, you basically can't find them. No, you can't. You know, you you can get lot. If you go online and try to get them, they're selling them for like you know ten times more than they should cost. I went. Um, the well, Great American Way. You know, I I get it. I went to um, I went to Shady Maple. Out in uh, Lancaster two weeks ago, okay. What's 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 Shady Maple? Shady Maple is a place in Lancaster where it's a it, it's the smorgasbord and everything. It's also a big. It's not Amish market, but it's like one of those places where like they cut their own meat and ground beef. And it was open. It was open. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Like the smor- the restaurant itself is closed. The shop. Right. The, right. The, right. The supermarket right. part of it was open. I got you. And. They, you know, they they were like, you know, stuff that would normally cost. And anyway, I saw they had a thing, a hand sanitizer there. Okay, like three bottles of it. They had a four bottle limit. I got three of them. Last three that were on the shelves. Eight dollars a bottle. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like uh, from like one of those places out in Central PA where they make like uh, they they it was like alcohol an alcohol distillery. That right. turned it into a like an emergency. I, I should well, show you. I gotta be honest with you. Every time I've, I've even stopped doing it. Like I used to go in this every the right aid around the corner for me, which is right, you know, Morel Plaza. About a week ago, they had hand sanitizers, mm-hmm. and they had some other. And I so I picked up like I, I think there was a limited two, so I could pick two or two. And I was amazed because I hadn't seen, and we have enough hand sanitizer. But I just said well, I'll get it anyway. Um, I was amazed because I had not seen it in a long time. And it's the same with the, but, but when this first started, I went out and, and was going nuts and I got a few. So we've got, we've still got, you know, enough to probably get us through a couple more months or maybe longer. I don't know. I keep asking my wife, how much do we have? But yeah, I mean, you know, at what point I can't, I find it hard to believe that they just, you know, it was like this, it was like the toilet paper shortage when it first came about ah you can't get toilet paper okay well now you can get toilet paper and tissues and and paper towels but when are the wipes going to come back that's because a lot of people kind of depend on them um i don't know and now there's a big thing where you can make your own wipes 
you know, a friend of mine sent me something. You can, you, you need rubbing alcohol, I think. Yeah, you do. And then you can kind of make your own wipes. And I guess if worse came to worse, came to worse, you know, but, but Hey, look, it's for everybody. It's not, you know, and I'm assuming in rural America or you can probably get stuff like that. I'm guessing. Yeah. You know, and, in and, the middle of Missouri or something. And like the good part about going to the shitty maple was the idea of getting like hamburger and everything. And not have to worry about shortages because everything's there. It's almost like a farm to table yeah. kind of place. Well, so. they, they have, I mean, look, if, if I go over to the shop right there, they're going to have all everything that they would normally have. Yeah. It's just that first of all, there's no sales on anything anymore. Nope. There's no meats. I mean, there was, there was a couple, but, but basically you're going to pay for everything and they only let you take two of everything. Mm hmm. So, you know, if you want pork chops, you get two pork chops. If you want steak, you get two steaks. But I don't know what two or three months from now is going to be. You know, if, if, if you know, meatpacking plants get in more trouble and all of a sudden you, you hear all, all about this food chain, that if one thing in the food chain gets broken and I'm not smart enough to know what all goes into the food chain. Yeah, but from what I – there was actually a report about that, that it's holding up a little better than they thought, so – yeah, and 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 things usually, I mean, often do when we think the worst, um, you know, and and then sometimes it winds up not being as bad as we thought it was going to be, and sometimes it's the other way around. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I I think the problem with some people is they think we're out of it. They they think like they think well, the worst is over, and it might be the worst is over, but at some point, you know, if there's not going to be a vaccine till at least like. 2021 that means we still have you know six more months, Seven to months yeah at least yeah it, it's um i i don't know I, I i you know and again i can you know i'm not going to the beach this weekend no. <laughs> I mean, I, but then again you know but, you know i was going to get into this on thursday but I'll, I'll get into it now i have always believed that the memorial day thing at the shore is among the most overrated things going yeah but not when you've been in your house for nine weeks no, See, Kevin. That, that it, it, on a normal could, year, on a normal on a year. normal year, but people, it's like, it's like them coming out of hibernation, sort of. You know, the winter's over, even if it's a crummy weekend at the shore, which I think this weekend is supposed to be too. Um, it's just, it's just a uh, tradition. And you have, yeah, but it, yeah, it's like my summer's starting, and, and to to most people, summer's the best time of year. Not everybody, but. You know, from from Memorial Day per se to Labor Day, even though I know it extends past Labor, that's your summer. That's your you know you're out of school, you're you're whatever. Um, you know the sun's out. You can go out. You're wearing shorts and t-shirts, and and that's like in, in people's minds. That's Memorial Day. So I understand it. I don't you know. And this year, it's going to be tenfold because of all the things we've been through yeah. for nine or ten weeks. And um. I just find it fascinating that you know you have the governor of Pennsylvania and and the Philadelphia health commissioner saying, "My God, you know, don't go to the beach, please, don't go to the beach, because yeah. you're going to come back here and who knows what you're going to bring back." And that's all. That's almost like when mom and dad say, "Don't touch this, don't touch this," when you're a kid. It makes it almost strangely more tempting to go. I I can understand the beach part. You can stay ten feet away from people on the beach. I think. Unless the beach really just gets, you know, you can figure out, you can go to, you know, different parts of the beach. The boardwalk's a whole different animal. Yeah. Um, because you're not just camping out and finding a little spot. No. You know, you're moving. It's, it's, you know, it's, there's constant movement and, and, 
Um, and there's no stores to walk into and there's, you know, and some people even by happenstance are just going to not be six feet apart or they're, or they're not going to have a mask on or, and like I said, nothing might happen, Nothing, you know, but do I want to take that chance? No, no. Um, will there be people that will take, I see people taking chances already and that's fine. Um, you know, and I'll admit I've been out more than. I was for the previous seven weeks, the last two. Um, I, I mean, I basically, st- I mean, I'm going golfing tomorrow with a friend of mine and, and, and I still don't know what that's going to be like. I really don't. I'm still debating whether I should drive with him in his car. Cause we're going about an hour away or, and he said, Hey, I'll wear gloves. I'll wear a mask. I said, it's not just that. It's like, I've done all this for nine weeks. You know, I can follow you in my car and, you know, it'll cost me 20 bucks in gas, but who cares? Um, like, at what point do I stop doing what I've been doing? I, and I don't have an answer. Like, first of all, they have to open up southeastern Pennsylvania before technically I should be doing anything. Yeah. I mean, we still have stay-at-home orders, mm-hmm. right? And so does South Jersey, I think, to a large degree. Um, okay. So when the governor says, okay, you know, it's okay now, do I go down and visit my daughter in, uh, in Baltimore? Does she come up here and visit me? Uh, we went and visited my grandson Saturday, but we, re- I, I mean, I picked him up a couple times. I had my mask on. We were in the backyard. My son said, dad, you don't have to wear the mask. I said, no, no, no. You know what? I've been wearing a mask, but there's going to come a point where I'm not, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to try to act normal too. Right. Um, I just don't know when that's going to be. Is it going to be fourth? of? You know, you, can you imagine what fourth of July is going to be like? That's where it's going to get really testy. Like, oh, sure. But Absolutely. You, the only thing is, if you have another month of downward trend, at least like you would hope that, right. you know. But that, now, we're, I mean, we're seeing, I think, what was it, 16 states where it's trending up, upwards. Upward. Yeah. And, and and one of them was Texas. And, um, he opened and up I don't know if stage any, two today. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I don't know what that means. Like, I mean, I'm not the doctor. I don't know. Maybe that was just destined to happen regardless. But I just think that. People who think that we're just going to stop social distancing or doing what we've been doing and nothing will happen, I think that's a little naive. I'm not saying that we should keep what we have in place forever. We can't. But we just can't. Yeah, there's there's no way. But you know, I've been reading a lot of stories on it. It's just Americans have a different mindset about our sense of entitlement. Um, you know, that goes back to why people won't wear masks. Yep. Because it, may, it look, makes you look weaker. Yeah. Of course it makes you look weaker. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, of course, I'm wearing a mask. But, and they think that it makes them look like somebody living in Asia or somebody living in some backwards country or, you know, and, and it's just, it, it's, it's, it's all this, um, you know, and this goes beyond the should we be back at work thing. And yeah, I understand people are trying to put food on their table and pay their mortgage. and that, that, But if we're going to go back to work, just go back as responsibly as we possibly can, you know? And I don't think that's asking a lot, not just for yourself, but for the people around you, because we want to be able to be around the people around us. We don't want to be by ourselves. Um, that's the thing we probably all miss most. Did I hear a microwave was, in the back there? That's my chair. Oh, Oh yeah. My wife, yeah. My wife had something in the microwave. Okay. I'm, I, Thought I heard something. Which, or else your house is on fire. One of you that's what I was double checking for. I, 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 have, no, I have no idea, man. Um, 
All right, I'm going to, uh, uh, this is, uh, before we go, uh, this is confessional time here on the podcast because I, I did something very evil to Mr. Curran over the weekend. No, you just fudged up. That's all. Um, so Saturday I cleaned out my garage and we got a ton of stuff done. Took stuff to the dump, took stuff to the storage place, all that. Okay. And my wife and I looked and, you know, we had our anniversary a couple weeks ago and we didn't really celebrate. So we looked at each other my, our, my stepdaughter's here with me and, um, we're like, you know, let's go to Ralph's like and get takeout. Okay. Down in South Philly, our favorite restaurant. Okay. So I got the veal parm, which is a tradition for me. And, um, I came home and whenever I've gone to Ralph's in the past, Mike has always asked to see what the veal parm looked like. You know, was it hanging off the plate or, or whatever? Well, I know it's hanging off the plate. Okay. There's no doubt, but so and I, you got, and, and you got cannoli cake. Yeah. Which is their best dessert. And, 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 the response when I told you that was, what was your text? Well, all you had to do, and I'm not, look, if you were going to any other restaurant, just about, I wouldn't give a crap. And I didn't even give a crap Saturday. I was just kind of giving. I know. But all you had to do was say, Mike, I'm going to Ralph's. I would have said, look, get me a real parm. My wife probably would have got a chicken parm. You can bring it. Cause we only live about half mile apart. Mm-hmm. You can drop it on my door or God forbid, I'll open up my door and I'll give you the money. And, and, but don't tell me after you go that you got real palm. I mean, it's a violation. Now, well, I mean, it'd be like me going to like, uh, you know, the, the chip beef player that, um, pit beef place and then coming home and saying, Hey, look at this piece of pit beef. I got, you know, I mean, it's just all, all I'm just saying it was like, and I don't expect you to do that in 99 out of the 100 restaurants you go to, but it is Ralph's. It is Ralph's. You know, Ralph, Ralph's is, you know, for people, you know, I, I once heard, I got a good Ralph story. One local radio host who's been on forever tried to demean Ralph's. Not Jalowitz, was it? And, and he's Italian. Not Jalowitz, so, was it? No, no, no. It was Mikey Miss. Okay. And and, and I, look, I, lo- I love Mikey, but. And he was trying to say, oh, you know, Ralph's ain't, you know, they don't stir the gravy for eight hours. Yeah, yo, yo, Mike, Mike, Mike. I know you're Italian. You got more vowels in your name than I'll ever have. When I asked my friend Joe, because I never used to go down South Philly, yeah, whatever. And maybe 20, 25 years ago, whatever, I asked Joe Giuliano. I said, Joe, look, we're, me and, we're going to go down there. It must have been that, something. Where do you go? Ralph's. That, that, not, not like I go to these four places. Ralph's. I didn't know what Ralph's was with that. And he was not wrong, as oh. Joe usually isn't when it comes to Italian food. And I'm not saying it's the best Italian restaurant. It, it is, it's got its own atmosphere, but the food is very, very good, as you know. There's many things you can get there that are very, very good. It's not even that expensive. Uh, relatively. And look, there are other great Italian restaurants. Dante, Do not get, Dante and Luigi's around the corner is very good. But but there's but if I asked a hundred people live in South Philly, oh, they give me a hundred different answers on where to go, and they'd all be tremendous. But one time I was at Ralph's with Ray Chella, the, the great Atlantic 10 yep. assistant commissioner, whatever Ray was. He was tremendous. So we go there for tea, and I got lasagna, and Ray ordered this plate of, like, mozzarella and tomatoes and, and whatever. That, that was her appetizer, by the way. Yeah, oh, God, the appetizer, yeah. 
So I ate half the lasagna. I only I ate like half or two thirds or whatever. So I said, they got, you know, the guy comes, I say, oh yeah, wrap it up, whatever. So, okay. Like 10, 15 minutes goes by. We're getting ready to go. And, and I, I, he hadn't bought it back. So I, I, I just said, so I said, sir, do you have my lasagna? Oh gosh, sir, I'm sorry. I, I threw it out. I'm like, that's okay. You know, don't, don't. no, 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 no. So anyway, Ray looks at me, he goes, he's going to give you a whole piece of lasagna. I'm like, no, no, he's not, but not realizing how's he going to cut. They gave me a whole piece of lasagna. Like, <laughs> take home. Yep. And uh, Ralph's is just one. I mean, I think it's the oldest Italian in the country, in the country. Stone business. And like I said, I'm not saying that you can't find another Italian place that isn't as good or better. Cause I've been in some, but tricolory in New York is as oh, good. If, yeah, well, but I'm just saying in our area, yeah, in our I area. could find places that are, that I would say, wow, you know, it's just, but Ralph's is just an experience. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to go there. And I took my parents down at once and they were, they were like looking around like, and, and look, Dante and Luigi's in his experience too. I'm yeah. not going to say that's not, but there's just something about Ralph's. I, I, and I don't know what it is. And, and part of it is that the veal Parmesan hangs off the, the plate as it does at Trey Calori. Um, but yeah, but I'm just saying it was just, you should have never told me you went. I know you would have been better that way. I know. And then when you said about the cannoli cake, that just really ticked me off. <laughs> we got that one time because we usually don't get dessert. We're, you know, and I think we had a gift certificate or something. And it's like, yeah, okay, let's get the, it was so good. It was, I mean, I, I had to, that, like was my bir- that was my birthday cake one year. Yeah. I had to take like three insulin shots, you know, yeah. it's just like, just kept pumping it into me. But yeah, it's, it's like, and I've had other things. Look, the chicken Sorrento, I think it is the one in the cream sauce is, is knock your socks what off. Did, the what did Fran- J- I was just going to say Flander Frances. Flander Frances is excellent. Um, the lasagna is, is yep. very good. I mean, I don't think I've seen Joe Giuliano get stuff in lunch, like a tuna sandwich. That's like real tuna, not yeah. tuna. Like we would think of tuna. So, uh, but you know, and when I, when I saw the picture of the veal, I'm just like, oh, really? Like, yeah, come on. It was but nice. I live, you know, we, I think actually the funny thing was, Kevin, I think we had a good meal that night. I'm trying to remember <laughs> what the hell we had, but I think it was actually like a decent meal. So I don't know. It was but, on, it was Sunday, wasn't it? When we went, was it Saturday was or it Sunday? Sunday? Whatever day you did it, I, I, I'm trying to remember. I, I don't know, but it was, uh, well, it, let me ask you now, let me ask you, is it as good Taking yes. it out like yes. it is when you eat it there? Yes. Okay. It is one okay. of the rare places. My my wife and I were commenting on that, and it's actually strange. We talk about the portions, and sometimes when you get takeout, portions are smaller. Yeah. These were not smaller. Yeah, they didn't look small. No. Like, they, uh, it was a double stack of veal in that in that bowl. The thing I will say about Ralph's is, and, and I don't eat veal, because my wife doesn't like veal, so we never have veal at home. Or, so if I go out and there's veal, a lot of times I'll get veal, because that's, you know... You can cut the veal at Ralph's with a fork. almost with a fork. Yeah, you can. You really can. And they do theirs thin. I like mm-hmm. thin. Thin. And like I said, it takes up the whole plate. So, because um, most times if I go there, you notice, Kevin, you've been with, I don't eat the pasta. No. The pasta goes home with me and I'll eat it, you know, that night or, or whatever. And the sad part is you can't really get appetizers or soup at Ralph's because you won't finish it. It's just like, 
you know, well, do you want soup or not? Uh, roasted, the mozzarella and roasted red peppers was our appetizer. For but see, that's like a meal to me. I mean, I, I, yeah. I could, they could bring that and the Sarcone's bread, and I'm set. Oh, you should have seen how much bread we got. Oh, I'm sure you did. Oh, my I, goodness. And I don't like, the funny thing was when Sarcone's was down there, it had the deli. I don't like the Sarcone's bread on a hoagie because it's too much. It, it You couldn't sometimes taste the hoagie. But Sarcone's bread at Ralph's, it's when you're awesome. dipping it and stuff, yep. is yep. perfect. It's yep. it's just, yep. you know. See, now I'm going to, see, now I want to go to Ralph's. Jesus Christ. It's, oh, God. I'm going to have to go down there like this week and get it and get takeout. That's I, I noticed. Jesus God. I mean, as long as you realize that it's going to be a half hour before you get home and it may be, yeah, but traffic's not bad, right? You no, know, I mean, but, but it's traffic. still from where we live. It's still 20 minutes. Yeah, By the time yeah. you get out of the car, you unpack, you, you know, you unpack hey, look, it. I drive down John's Rose pork. You know, I, I do that a fair amount. Um, you know, uh, and, and especially I could actually do it for lunch. Yeah, which lunch is even better if yeah. they're if they're open for lunch. I I don't I don't know if they are. So. Yeah, but I mean the lunch down there, you can't beat the lunch. No. <laughs> yeah, while like, we're on I, the while we're on the topic of food, we should point out next week we are scheduled right now after uh, Memorial Day to have our buddy Paul Hagen on. Um, great, Paul will join us to talk about his new restaurant that's opening up. Yep, uh, we're gonna have to get. We're gonna be there. Yep, they are in the process of hiring right now uh, for Chaps Pit Beef down in, uh, I think it's Delaware County, right? It's I, I'm almost sure it would be. I mean, if it wasn't Delaware, it might be on the fringes of Chester. Chester yeah, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Like around Chats for uh, Granite Run Mall used to be the old Granite Run Mall. I yeah, think. what a tough time to be opening, man. I mean, yeah. I I wish him all the best, and I hope that you know he can actually open soon. Yep, and not just have. I mean, because he's going to have a sit-in place, right? Like the one we went to in well, Baltimore. Yeah, but it's going to be a, a takeout for now, obviously, until everything. Right, right. Is left what right. I'm saying is, when, when he is, when this is hopefully behind us, and you go down there, we could sit in there and eat like we did in Baltimore that time. Yes. Okay. Okay. See, I, see, I think. Look, I'll do takeout with anybody if I'm on. I like sitting in places and eating. That's just what I like doing. I like. Yeah. Sitting there on the wooden bench, you know, um, and eating my whatever I'm going to get. I think I'm going to get the beef with sausage. Okay. That's what I'm getting. And, and then I got to put that sauce, right? What's that sauce? They have the they white have a secret, sauce. Like a secret sauce, like a horsey sauce, wasn't it? Horsey sauce or something. Yeah, it's very good. Um, I like to load it up with all that crap. And, um, yeah, it's just – I feel bad for somebody, man. It, it, yeah. To have – to be trying to do this is hard enough, mm-hmm. and trying to do it at, like now yeah. is just daunting, brutal. Um, so he hey, will, we can give him a plug. We can give him a plug every every time. Yeah, and maybe people will get people to go. Uh, we'll have Paul on at some point. We'll also talk about the baseball situation, and but obviously on Thursday we're gonna have um, uh, we're gonna have Scott Lauber on. And uh, who knows? Maybe a couple guesses. We head into Memorial Day weekend, which will be uh, won't feel like a normal Memorial Day weekend, but it'll be Memorial Day weekend, and we'll talk a little bit about what's going on. So, uh, yep, I know your plans for the weekend, which is the same as mine, which is to sit home. Correct. I I may 
in all seriousness, you know, like I said, I'm a 62 year old diabetic. I may be sitting at home for a while. Yeah. I mean, I just don't know. Um, I, I mean, th- there's a chance, an outside chance, that we could be going to Myrtle Beach on June the 20th. The problem is, if the governor hasn't opened up Philadelphia, I don't know how I can go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's so many questions I don't have an answer to. I know Myrtle Beach is starting to open up. Um, some of the restaurants are doing patio or they're doing um, the takeout. Um, you know, I don't know how that, you know, if you're staying in a place with a pool, how that works or, um, you know, but there's still an outside chance I could be going. I'm not counting on it, but I wouldn't totally rule it out. It's a month from now. So um, maybe I should go out and, and have a flyers. Pra- well, technically the parade was tomorrow. Yes. Right. Yes. So I should go out tomorrow and like like bang a pan or something or or uh, that's all you or do so. Uh, that, that, Kevin, that was the greatest parade ever, man. It was it was the great. It was such a great day to be in Philadelphia. You know, the Mike Douglas show. You know, was on. Kate Smith was on the Mike Douglas show. We was it was just. Because we never won anything before. We stunk. The Phillies stunk, the Eagles stunk, and the Sixers stunk. They were all the worst teams in the league at that point. Um, and, and we won a championship by beating the shit out of everybody. It was it was so Philadelphia. It was, it was just, you know, and, and we had the best goalie in the world and Bobby Clark, you know, hitting the Russian over the over the ankles and breaking his legs. It's just you had to love it. You know, honestly, Bernie is one of those people I want to, I would love to get on this. And I've tried absolutely to get him on and I haven't heard back, but I uh, keep trying. I mean, do you have a list of people you would love to get on here? Well, I mean, look, I've talked to Bernie enough times to know he's I mean, he's one of the most fun. Like if, if you said who's more beloved, Bernie or Bobby? I think Bernie might be more beloved. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I think we recognize that Bobby was was the guy. You know, he was the you know he was the glue. He was the you know jump on my back. You know, I'm going to take you to places, and then you know, um, I don't know of many athletes in this town. Chuck Bedarek, maybe. Yeah. Tommy McDonald, I think was was kind of like that. Uh, I'm trying to think of like a Phillies guy that we would have um, really, really, really like loved. Yeah, we didn't love Mike Schmidt. No, I mean we we came to love him. Tug, we came, you know, Tug. Yeah, you yeah you're right. Tug, 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 and later Dutch. Um, Dutch was up there. Yes, you 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 are right. Dutch Dutch was up there, and now um, and now Utley. Yeah, but Bernie was in a different. Yeah, category man, and and the fact that he stayed here for forty years and went through the off the the the, the ice problems right. that he went through, and the fact that he's so approachable and just want he he just wants to be one of us. Yeah. And Doc would be the Sixers guy, I think. Doc, yeah, but I think Barkley a little too. Um, but Doc, yeah, Doc was Doc was royalty. Yeah, that's what Doc was. I mean, Doc was royalty. So you, I don't know if we ever we never thought of Charles as royalty, and I think we almost liked him more, like after he was gone and 
you know, what he's become. So uh, I'm just thinking like the bucket list. Uh, you don't have anybody like that comes to mind. Like you would love to. Well, Charles is always great. I mean, cause Charles is going, right. you know, I would love to podcast. get Charles on, but Charles it would is have to be a five hour podcast, but you know, that's okay. Um, there's no shortage of stuff to talk with Charles. Yeah, Bernie. Um, uh, let me just joggle my mind. You know who I think would really be kind of good? Randall. Randall would be good. Because he he had that special place. He, he was the first um, quarterback of that, you know, what he did. He was on the cover of SI, you know, the greatest secret weapon or whatever they called him, super weapon. Um, and he was special. And there's also an air of mystery with Randall because sure. There's also a sense that Randall, um, I'm trying to think of the way to phrase this because buddy had such a loose offensive system that buddy, uh, that it was almost impossible for Randall to live up to his full talent. I think Randall lived up to his talent. I don't think that was ever the question, but the full, but the full potential of, having the weapons around them, having a, a, a more structured offense that would have allowed him to get to a Super Bowl. Yeah, but I don't think anybody ever held that against Randall. No, 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 like, no. I, but that's yeah. why he makes it mysterious. Like, right. I don't think that the organization did the best it could to. Well, no, they didn't care. They just cared about playing defense. And But that was kind of what made Randall that figure, too, was the fact that we all knew it was basically Randall. Drop back and make something happen. Yep. You know, it's almost like I think a little bit about the Baltimore quarterback now. Like I think when they first brought him in, yeah, it was kind of like that. Here's the ball, go no. do. So. And I even think, in ways, he's more dynamic than Randall. Yeah, I do too. Um, I think Randall was a better thrower. A, you know, I mean, there's so many Randall stories. Yeah, like when he bounced off the Giants guy and threw the touchdown pass on Monday night. Carl Banks. Uh, the the ninety yard punt or whatever it was a ninety some yard punt that was against uh, the, the Giants. 90, the, the playing against the Bills where he ducks under Bruce Smith and throws a ninety eight yard touchdown. Um, you know you can't if if some guys had one of those plays, mm-hmm. you would go wow. He and he had like three or four or five of them. And I'll tell you the guy I would have loved to have on, but obviously we can't. Would have been Buddy. Yeah, I, I think and I was never a big Buddy fan. In the sense that I, I kind of always sensed his shortcomings. That a guy that lost three playoff games, to, and he probably would have won the Chicago game, the ironic part, if that fog hadn't set in. But the other two games, both at home against the Rams and the Redskins, they, they stunk. Yeah. Um, you know, he scored seven points in both games or whatever. And, and I always thought that he got a little bit too much for being buddy. But I understood why. Talk radio was coming in. He was a character. Yep. I think in later years he kind of made a buffoon out of himself. I really do. Mm-hmm. But his legacy, you can't, you know, he, what, three Super Bowls, I think, as defensive coordinators, well, Jets, Vikings, and Bears, right? Yep. Two wins. Um, yeah, and the Bears team, I mean, look, obviously he's the only defensive coordinator to ever get carded off. That is one of the best teams in NFL history, yep. and it might be the best defense in NFL history. Um, yeah, and that's his legacy. I, but I just think Buddy was one of those guys that would tell you anything, you know, and didn't, he's like, he's like Rex, Yeah, <laughs> you know, that, that's Rex. I mean, whether you like him or don't like him. Um, 
and there's a lot of there's a lot of BS that goes with the Ryans. That's true. But at the same time, there's a lot of great coaching that goes with the Ryans. Yeah. So, all right, sir. Enjoy, enjoy your memorial. Oh, no, I'm going to see you Thursday. We'll, we'll see you Thursday. It'll be Scott Lauber joining us on Thursday. Maybe he can figure out those 67 feet. <laughs> I'm sure he's been digging in. Yeah. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to Deuces Rogers for joining us. This has been Work on the Beat.